0: Of the cape 91.3 fm stereo my radio station your radio station our radio station the voice of the cape Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to another edition of Questions and Answers. A very good evening to you. I'm Khawar Salman shukran so much for joining us. And please do stay with us for the next hour or so. A big, big shukran to all our listeners and those who are sent through questions for their patients once again. We see the holy month of Ramadan has passed, but looking at some new questions and also some questions that has come through the month of Ramadan. But inshallah, Sheikh will answer them in good time. Please just do await your answer. We will an- we'll be answering questions as they follow. If you do repeat and send them again, we will just give a shortened version of it, Sheikh, at least. And then, inshallah, um, you may continue sending your SMS questions on 47913. But let's welcome back Sheikh Ibrahim Was. Assalamu alaikum to you, Sheikh.
1: Wa alaikum, salam wa rahmatullahi wa to you, Sister Hawa, and also to all our listeners of the Voice of the Cape. <laughs>
0: Sheikh, we're going to get straight into the questions. We have lots um, backlogged. So, Alhamdulillah, the first one says, "Salam's, What rights does a stepfather have over stepchildren? He has raised them as according to my in-laws. He don't have any rights over them
1: man uh, wala of course, saying that he hasn't any rights over them is not is not accurate it's not correct uh, because the fact that he married their mother, it would mean that uh, there is there are definitely some rights that he would have over them uh, because there would be a mahram relationship between him and his stepchildren hmm. he's not allowed to marry his stepchildren etc so Uh, There are definitely some relationship between them And uh, the fact that he's got the right, inshallah With obviously consultation together with his wife To educate, to nurture, to assist them in their deen To assist them in their worldly affairs In whatever best way he can Uh, This will obviously be part of his duty that he must do I mean, after all, they will be living in his house Mm. And so if they are living in his house He's got all the right to lay down the foundational rules for that, etc Although of course yes there are some rights and laws that would not apply to him like for example the issues of inheritance. I mean there won't be any inheritance between him and his stepchildren. Uh, but I do believe that in fact uh, the, the stepfather should be consulted should be of, be made part of the decision making. I think that is very important You can't exclude him Especially if they are living in his house etc uh, He's got the right to that And uh, there is an incident Whereby uh, a young child Was growing up in the house of Rasulullah And he was married to This young child's mother Umm Salama We all know Umm Salama And so he uh, was married to her And she had a, a, a son from her previous marriage mm. And his name was Umar uh, Ibn Abi Salama and we find that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi treated him as his own child in the sense that he would nurture him and educate him and rectify him if he was wrong. And one such incident is that one day he was sitting in front of Rasulullah sallallahu and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi actually taught him some of the adab of eating. Mm. And he said to him, Ya Ghulam, sammillaha wa kul bi wa Oh my boy, uh, say bismillah before you eat, say the name of Allah and eat with your right hand and eat that which is in front of you. Mm. And here we see beautiful small things which the Nabi A.S. taught him. And he was a stepchild. But Mm. still the Nabi A.S. did not look at it in that way. He still wanted to show him what is right from wrong. And so I do believe that the stepfather should and must play that role. And the mother should include him in the decision making. And she, I think, should make it a habit to uh, also um, let her children respect her husband, mm. you know, and not show uh, allow them to show disrespect to him, mm. even though he may be their stepfather. Uh, there is even so far, um, and I can quote this uh, in the Maliki Madhab, for example. They've got something interesting whereby they say that if a a, a father, stepfather, has raised a child, mm. and that child's own biological father is not around, for example, if it's a female, the Maliki Madhab actually stipulates that he becomes the child's wali. And he sure. can actually give the child off for nikah and all of that mm. You know, they go so far As far as the stepfather is concerned So uh, that all is indicative of the fact That we need to uh, make him part of the family And uh, in, in so doing We obviously create a good environment mm. For everybody to to interact positively With each other, inshallah, inshallah. ta'ala.
0: And Chuck, I think that, that advice is is imperative Seeing that there's so much mixed marriages Or, or like mixed families and, um... You know, second marriages and stuff And most kids, um, unfortunately, you know, go through divorces as well So Alhamdulillah, this information is, is enlightening to everybody Inshallah
1: Khairan <laughs> Yeah, we we just try, you know, to always create a an environment That mm. is amicable for everybody to live And respect, you know, that is basically what it comes down to There should be respect for all parties involved Inshallah Inshallah, shakran
0: Salams, what is the hadith concerning a woman who never marries in the world? Um, will she have a nikah in I'm
1: not too sure about the hadith I, I haven't seen a hadith myself but uh, certainly, a person who was not married in this world, remember Jannah is there for our pleasure and for mm. our reward. And Allah Ta'ala will, is going to give us and afford us whatever our hearts desire, inshallah. inshallah. So, uh, this woman that was never married, inshallah, I'm sure, you know, if that is her desire to be with a partner, Allah Ta'ala mm. will give her that in Jannah. Um, and that is definitely part of the pleasure and the the, the bliss that will be experienced in Jannah. Uh, but like I always say to people, you know, it's it's, it's fine and well to one about these things, mm. but for me personally I want to work for Jannah first, you know, I yes. want to make sure I get there before we go into all these details, uh, but yes, in a nutshell, uh, there's a hadith that shows the Prophet says that in Jannah is mm. Whatever is in Jannah is what the eyes have never seen what the ears have never heard, and what even the mind cannot imagine That is the greatness of Jannah, you know. There's so much gifts that Allah is going to give us, inshallah. So this woman need not be concerned, inshallah. Allah will look after her and grant her whatever. Uh, uh, wishes are in Jannah and if it is so that a, a wish is to be with someone definitely Allah ta'ala is not going to uh, you know deprive her mm. of that particular joy and we make dua that all of us enter into Jannah so that Amen. we can enjoy these blissful things granted to us by our creator Allah wa ta'ala. Amen, Inshallah Next
0: one says Salam Shaykh would would like to know how to take the yamun shukran.
1: Yes, the yamun is uh, obviously the substitution for wudu for in cases whereby the person cannot perform wudu either because he or she is ill, they cannot mm-hmm. use water, or either because they, there is no water available. Um, and so, the is very easy. Uh, we need to get some sand, a little bit of sand that that is dusty. Um, and I see people normally what they do is they have a little bit of a bean bag where they throw in some sand that has dust in it. Mm. And it's a good idea to always keep something like this around. Uh, So a bean bag with sand in it, or just ordinary sand that is dusty. You can take it from anywhere, but it must be pure, it must be clean, there must Mm. be no najasa in the sand itself. Then uh, first first thing you do is you remove all jewelry, all watches, all rings, everything must come off the hands. Mm -hmm. Then uh, the third step would be um, that you beat lightly. On the sand with your two palms of the hands mm. right, And you shake off Obviously any excess Sand that is on your hand Because it shouldn't be full of sand So you, you shake off slightly the What is uh, on your hand And then you of, of course uh, With the niya of tayammum You wipe your face once With those two hands mm. Completely the way that you would wipe them in hudu Then you beat a second time On the tayammum mm-hmm and the second time around you will obviously wipe your right hand first and then your left hand in the same way that you would do in the hudu so the same area that you would wipe for hudu uh, for the arms you will do in tayammum as well and those are the only parts that are wiped for tayammum the Mm -hmm. face and the hands up until and including the elbows Uh, the only other thing that i need to mention here is that tayammum of course can only be taken after the wakt has entered tayammum should not be taken before the wakt is entered so a person who is applying this should wait till the adhan goes off and once the adhan is gone then only they should apply the tayammum and then make salah with that particular tayammum Uh, and and of course um, like i said it's only those two parts you don't wash any other parts of your body or you don't wipe rather any other parts of your body it includes only the face and the hands, uh, and including the arms up to, until the elbows, and it has to be with two individual beatings on the sand or on the dust that is done for each of those parts. That is basically what ta'ammum is all about.
0: Shukran, Sh- uh, salaam. Sheikh, my husband gave me three talaks. My idda ends soon, and he wants to reconcile. Can we get married again?
1: Yeah, of course, this would uh, depend. a big size. Yeah, of course, uh, it depends because always when we hear three talaks, we are very weary, you know, because yeah. three talaks mean three talaks. It's the end, you know. You mm. you've gotten three chances to reconcile, and if you didn't yet reconcile, there's a problem. Um, you know, uh, to to reconcile now. Mm. Uh, however, I I would throw in one technicality here is, and that is we, we would like to ascertain how the three talaks were given, mm. if it was given in three separate occasions three different times then there is no way of reconciling in this way the husband and the wife they are completely separated the wife will have to get married to someone else first after idda is over from the first husband she have to get married to someone live with this person consummate the marriage have a legitimate marriage etc and then if he eventually divorces her then she goes under again and only after that second idda is over she can come back to to the first husband That is if the three talaqs was done In different times However if the three talaqs was given all in once One sitting And this is sometimes people are very Sort of hasty to mm. do these things You know they, they come to us to the imams And they insist they want three talaqs They want it done and so on But we all know like in the future They change their minds Then it's too late mm-hmm. So if it was done in one sitting Then there is a minority view of scholars That say that we can consider three talaqs In one sitting to be one talaq only Okay. Which means it is just the emphasis of the one talak that oh. took place in that one sitting. This is a, although a rare or a minority view, it is a view that is ad- adopted and that is practiced. In many parts of the world like Egypt and Syria and so on. And I believe some of our judiciaries locally also sometimes follow this particular routine. Mm. Because people don't know the repercussions of talaq. They want to just give three but they don't know what it stands for. So if that was the case and it was only one talaq, I suggest that, uh, sorry, it was three talaqs in one sitting. I suggest that you go to a judiciary, Mm. let them explain to you. uh, Because then there will be some room for reconciliation if you wanted to. uh, According to this minority group, Um, perhaps you can... You know, consult with them and just hear what you can do uh, in this case. Uh, So if that is, uh, I I suggest you do that as quickly as possible. Even if the Idda is over, you know, they, they, they can still remarry you. If they are going to consider the three talaqs in one sitting as one talaq, you can be remarried even if the idda is over. You can remarry each other according to the small group of scholars that give this particular direction. Um, so that is my, my advice that they, this person should consult immediately with a judicial body in order to get a way forward for this uh, predicament that he finds himself in.
0: Inshallah all the best to that couple. I'm a married man, Sheikh. My in-laws are non-Muslim. My wife's sister passed on a day ago. Now my, Now my wife... Um, wife's mother is not well. Is it right of me to say to her that she can't sleep there, but go back in the morning, Sheikh?
1: Yeah, certainly. Of course, as the husband, you have certain rights over your your wife. Mm. One of which is obviously you you should you can tell her to stay at home and not to go out and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but I, I would want to say that here you must really consider what is the best for you to do. Um, after all, it is a family, mm-hmm. you know. Um, even if they are non-Muslim they still have uh, certain rights over them, uh, especially if it's a mother. I mean, they still have a right over, uh, over the child. And, and this is what we found in the Quran, in Surah Luqman, chapter 31, verse 15, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to us, If your parents, your two parents should... Uh, force you or should uh, want you to become a idol worshipper or to make shirk, then what should you do? Right? فَلَا Allah says don't obey them. Hmm. Because you cannot obey them if they are telling you to make shirk. That is impossible. So there you will disobey them. But what is amazing about this ayah is immediately after Allah tells you to disobey them in that regard, in regards to shirk, Immediately after that, Allah says, وَصَاحِبَهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا معروفة, But still live with them in righteousness, if you can. Still show kindness to them. So this is even if they are telling you to make shirk. So in this case, if the wife's mother is a non-Muslim, she still has a right over the child, and the child must be as, uh, as kind to her as possible. So it, it happens to be your wife now. Unless, of course, if you think that if your wife is going to sleep over, It's going to affect her deen or she's going to be in an awkward position. Let's say they're going to drink all around her and it's going to be a place of najis where she can't make salah and Mm. stuff. If that is the case, then yes, then you say to her, you don't have to sleep over, but rather go back in the morning. Mm. But on the other hand, if you know that that won't happen, let's say they do respect her religion as a Muslim and they will give her a space to make a salah that is clean and they won't drink in front of her and there's nothing that is going to put her deen at stake. Then in that case, you should consider not to to bar her mm. from even sleeping over, because if it is going to be that she's going to serve her mother, then that is a good act, you know. It's a good, uh, it's actually an act of da'wah as well mm. towards her mother to show that this is what Islam stands for. And even say that in Asma, anha, who is the daughter of Sayyidina Abu Bakr, now Sayyidina Abu Bakr was married to her mother, and he divorced her. Uh, before she embraced Islam, mm. so one day she came to the Prophet وسلم, and she said, Look, uh, my mother is a non Muslim and uh, I don't know what to do. You know, should I still tie join ties with her? What mm. should I do? And this is what the Prophet says to her, Na'am sili Yes, join ties with your mother, even if she is a non Muslim. Okay, so that is obviously something that we need to consider here While saying that you've got the right to tell her not to sleep over You've got that haq But just try to exercise it with hikmah, with wisdom Think also of the fact that it is a mother after all It is the one that brought her into this world So she has got some haq and some right over her So if you can do whatever it takes To at least allow your wife to serve her mother And to take care of her uh, in in this particular situation Inshallah the reward will come back to you as well for allowing her to do that And to be part of Helping another human being Inshallah ta'ala.
0: Inshallah Salam Sheikh If the neighbours give a hadat Or Quran bacha Is it necessary To invite your next door neighbour Sheikh
1: Yeah, this is uh, obviously something which is uh, kind of normal. I mean, you you would want to invite people that are around you, Mm. especially if it is going to be a big uh, affair and there's lots of cars that is going to stand there and so on. It's going to look a a little bit funny and seems funny that you did not invite your neighbors. Mm. Um, So obviously the neighbors have a right over you as well So uh, we we should always try to have kind relations with them And uh, they may just think that you are angry Mm. at them That's why you didn't invite them, etc However, if it is a small event And it's maybe just your family members Mm. You know, you can explain to your neighbor That, uh, you know, I'm not inviting anyone It's just my brothers and sisters We're giving you something very small at the house So please don't feel offended You know, it's it's always very helpful just to explain that Mm. Or just to open up that to the neighbor So that the neighbor knows but let's say, for example, you invite like a hundred people and there's like a 50 car standing in front of your house, but you don't invite the neighbor. It doesn't, it's not, it's, it's not proper. Hmm. You know, it doesn't create a proper relationship between you and your neighbor. And so, uh, neighbors have rights over us. So we at all times try to keep good relations with her and, uh, uh, I just want to, to quote this hadith Which I've quoted a couple of times in Ramadan as well um, And that is this woman There was somebody that came to the Prophet ﷺ yes. And uh, they said to the Prophet ﷺ, We know about this woman That she makes a lot of ibadah She makes salah and sadaqah and zakah And she's so diligent in her worship oh. But she only has one problem And that is jiranaha She's got a very foul mouth That she speaks very ugly to her neighbors oh. That's the only, only bad quality that she has and the prophet والسلام, uh, unhesitatingly you know he didn't unhes- he wasn't hesitant to give this answer mm. he said she, w- she will go to the fire of hell mm. even though she made salah sadaka zakah all of that because relationship with humans are- is very important mm. you know our ibadah that we do should inform the way that we treat people the one should inform the other one mm. otherwise it's no use we make salah all day we fast every month we every year we go on hajj we go on umrah but it doesn't change our character Especially with neighbors Mm -hmm. Yeah this woman It was uh, Doing everything good Except that she was bad Or she wasn't Having good relations With the neighbors The Prophet Did not accept that He said she will not be In a good position So yes If you're giving a Khatam Or you're giving something And you are inviting A whole lot of people Then don't Don't offend any neighbors At least the close ones Right next to you Please invite them And if it's something small Like I said Go over and say to them Look it's only my brothers And sisters I'm not really inviting people So please don't be offended I think if that is done Then and there will be no ill feelings or relations between anyone.
0: Sometimes brothers and sisters end up <laughs> in a big family gathering as well. So sheikh.
1: Yeah, that is quite correct. I mean, mm. we have big families. So yeah. if it is only a family gathering and you're not inviting any strange people, mm. so nothing stops you from telling I'm them. Just saying it. Just yeah. saying, you know, we're not being funny, but it's just family. And it's something yeah. that we just having very, very small and that. And I'm sure the neighbor will will understand. understand
0: inshallah we'll take a short break now when we come back more of your sms's on 47913 back in a moment my radio station your radio station our radio station 91.3 fm and 95.8 fm stereo Assalamu Alaikum, welcome back uh, This is questions and answers Shukran so much again for your patience as you await your answer So the Sheikh, the next one reads Salam, what does a mother do that raised her daughter independently alone without a father What rights does he have when she gets married one day, inshallah?
1: Yeah, bismillah This is always something that is uh, awkward Especially if the father did not play much of a role, etc um, I, however, still have inclination towards uh, trying to 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 still have you know blessings his blessings and also try to include him, even if he did not play a big role, um, because after all, biologically he is the father. Okay, although from a, a technical point of view, if he did not nafaka the children, if he did not really care about them, if he did not, he has forfeited his his wilaya. He has forfeited his guardianship a long time ago when he seized his responsibility and his duty towards them okay so from a technical point of view yes i mean he doesn't have the right to say yes or no etc because he he did not really look after them the way that he that he should have but it is always good to 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 try and and make sulh you know to try and make a reconciliation um, because after all they are they are uh, uh, there is still a bond between them uh, biologically that is and uh, the reason why I say that is, if there should be inheritance one day, they will still inherit from each other, uh-huh. daughter and and father. There's no way that we can take that away, you know. So some rights are still there. So if they get, if the daughter wants to get married one day, uh, if it is possible to include him, then that would obviously be the best thing to do, uh, and and just to sort of consul, uh, consult with him and get his blessings as well. I mean, I had cases like this where we did this. We actually went to the person, you know, although he was never involved really. Uh-huh. But that may just change his heart you know he may just want to you know make up for the losses he may just want to realize he doesn't want to die in that state where he has got no link with his family hopefully inshallah from then onwards he will be more close and try to at least do something for his children which is uh, something we should consider And so uh, that is the route to go Try that But obviously if he's like insisting certain things Which he he wants his way or whatever Then you can make it clear to him Look you don't Your wilayat or your guardianship has been forfeited a long time When you forsake your responsibility oh. Towards your children So we are just doing this out of kindness You know to include you and, and and we wish you to also give your blessings, but it's not that we're depending on that mm. But it has to be that you have to be present and, and that we are just honoring, you know, your your presence So that is the way that we should address this, I think And in that way also the, the child will also feel at least contented, you know mm. And not feel that they've excluded anyone or I wonder what my father is going to think about this Or mm-hmm. I wonder, because the child, you know, we start a life out like that It's, it's not easy, psychologically it's not easy to start a life out like that not knowing whether your father is perhaps angry at you or not, whatever the case may be. Mm. So we try to make sulh as much as we can, uh, inshallah, that is always. And the Quran says to us, was sulh khair, you know, reconciliation is always the best option in any situation. As far as we can reconcile, we should, inshallah.
0: Inshallah, all the best. So the next one is a, is a fax um, question we've received, quite a lengthy one, but I think the gist of it is with regards to um, additions and... Uh, uh, yeah, additions to uh, s- certain verses of the Quran, saying that you know, according to what he's been taught, many to say do not add or delete any words of the verses or punctuations from the Holy Quran. Example, he tried to. He said he he's also looked at Yasin and um, has not found anything regarding um, what what is commonly said as Yasin. Well, Quran al Hakim, Sallallahu alayhi, and he's a revert, so he's a bit confused, Sheikh. Mm. Um, so just please explain that.
1: Yeah, that is of course a valid concern that he has and a valid confusion uh, because uh, there are certain things that are sometimes added or that is not really found to be written in the Qur'an. Mm. Um, what I want to say here is that it does not mean that automatically if it's not there in the Qur'an that it is wrong. Uh, we can't come to that conclusion. And I'll give you some proofs for that as well. Okay. Um, the fact is that the Qur'an has been Written down, it has been preserved by our Hufad. Okay, so nothing can be added, Mm. nothing can be deleted. You know, somebody will easily pick up that this is not part of the Quran. For example, when we recite Surah Al Fatiha, right, what do we say at the end of Surah Fatiha? We say, and then we say, Ameen. If you look in the Quran, Amin doesn't stand there, Mm. it's not part of it. But yet, we know as Muslims that it's not part of the Fatiha, Mm. but it's a dua that we make at the end of Surah Al Fatiha to say, Oh Allah, accept. Because you made a lot of dua in Suratul Fatiha. Okay. Now, with regards to some of these things that have been added, yes, we should not make it an obligation that it must be there. Oh. right? Uh, for example, the Yasin story. So we've, we are accustomed to recite Yasin Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then we start Yasin Al-Qur'an <laughs> al-Hakim. And the reason for that is there is some scholars that have the opinion that Yasin is one of the names of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because you, if you look at the verses and the context of these verses in Surah Yasin, Allah says, Yasin la Allah says, Yasin, And Allah swears an oath by the Qur'an. And then he says, Verily you. Mm. Now normally when you use a pronoun, you would only refer to a pronoun if the name is mentioned before. Mm. So they say, Yasin is the name of the Prophet And that's why Allah says, innaka, Verily you mm. are amongst the messengers. And this is opinion of some They say that Yasin is the name of the Prophet So when we utter his name It is obviously good to say Sallallahu um, However I say we don't make it compulsory Or we have to do it We can do it sometimes We can leave it out mm. And if people don't do it Don't insist that they must do it right? And if people are doing it Don't, don't frown upon them Because they are following some of these scholars That say it may be a name of the Prophet Muhammad And then we also find that With regards to uh, certain things that is added, hmm. other things. We find that the Prophet Ali Salam had actually recited the Qur'an in such a way that he would interact with the verses of the Qur'an. Hmm. I give you an example. Uh, sometimes the Prophet والسلام, recited سبيحس, Surah Suratul A'ala, and he used to say Now if you look at the translation of this verse, it says and it's an instruction to you saying glorify the name of your Lord who is the Most High. So Allah is telling you to glorify him. So what what is your duty when you hear that verse? Is to actually glorify Allah in response to the verse. So the Prophet Ali used to recite Al a'la and then he used to say subhana Al a'la before continuing. Because he's responding to to the request, mm. he's responding to the command. Okay? Um now there's verses like that when Allah Ta'ala asks a question, alaysa Allahu Is Allah not the best of judges? So he's asking a question. So shouldn't mm. you respond? You should respond. You should say, Bala, indeed, O oh Allah, you are the best of judges. Mm. And we, we have a dalil for this, that how certain of these things are added when we hear the Quran. It's not that we're adding to the verses. Like I said, the verses are preserved. It's in the book form preserved. It is preserved in the hearts of the Hafith people. So you can never really add something. Mm. They will pick it up very quickly. But if you say something in response to the Quran, then that is not necessarily considered an addition, hmm. like when Surah al-Rahman, one of the most beautiful chapters that came down, al-Rahmanu al al-Qur'an, um, and this chapter when it was revealed, the Prophet ﷺ recited it to the jinn as well. Hmm. You know, and when he recited it to the humans, to the Sahaba, he said to them, "How come when I recited this surah to the jinn, they responded better than what you are responding?" Because each ayah that is repeated in Surah Al-Rahman Is the ayah that says فَبِأَيِّ أَلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانَ and this ayah means, which of the favors of your Lord will you deny? Hmm. So obviously if Allah is telling you, which favors will you deny? Then it is your duty to respond to say, Ya Allah, I won't, I won't deny any of your favors. Hmm. So the Prophet said to the Sahaba, when I recited this to the jinn, and each time I said, hmm. The jinn actually said, they answered and they say, hmm. They used to praise Allah and say, we will not reject any of your favors. Hmm. So this shows that the Prophet ﷺ allowed oh. you to respond to the Qur'an oh. in that way. And he himself recited the Qur'an in that way. Okay, And that is why we find that Imam al-Nawawi, uh, alayhi, one of our great scholars, I'm just going to summarize quickly what he says. He says, That if a person recites Qur'an, when he passes a verse where Allah Ta'ala is speaking about his bounty and his mercy, Mm. then it is recommended for you to actually stop and ask Allah to grant you from that bounty and that mercy. When you pass by a verse that speaks about, punishment Uh and torment, then you should actually pause for a moment and ask Allah Ta'ala to protect you from that punishment. Uh And this is how the Prophet recited the Qur'an. He recited the Qur'an in a reflecting way, reflecting on each and every verse, Uh responding to Allah in each and everything that Allah is saying. So this is basically what it is when we repeat certain verses also, and also the repetition of certain verses. This is something that the Prophet himself did. Uh He repeated certain ayat. Especially an ayah that has impact or that has a, a, a deep, you know, sort of, it makes a mark on you, you know, mm. you really attract it or you really, um, it's a really profound meaning. So mm-hmm. you want to repeat it more than once in order for it to, to be absorbed better by, by your brain and by your mind and by your soul. The Prophet used to recite the Quran like this. So what I want to say to my dear brother, uh, who's a river to Islam, that yes, the Quran is from cover to cover has been preserved. Nobody can add to it. Mm-hmm. But when you hear these additions, you should know it is merely a response to some of the verses of the Qur'an, and that is something which is recommended according to our scholars of Islam. Uh, And so, inshallah, I hope that is a sufficient kind of explanation Uh, on this particular. On this particular topic
0: What comes up for me Sheik um, That Sheik has mentioned This um, You know Teachings Is of uh, Certain verses In the Quran When you Yet You make Sujood su, sahwi, So like It's an act Of appreciation To the Almighty So is it something Similar as well
1: Yes But just a rectification Not sujood sahwi, Because sujood sahwi Is the one That you make When you forget Something in the Salah oh, But
0: enough. we
1: call it Sujood ashukr. Ashukr.
0: Yeah okay.
1: There's certain verses Where you want to Thank Allah mm. And then there's also Another type There's sajda Teh Tilawa, tilawa. Okay. There's certain verses Where Allah Ta'ala tells you To make sujood So how do you respond? You respond by actually making sujood
0: okay. So you
1: actually go down And make sujood
0: Okay,
1: that's tilawa. Right. That's tilawa. Sajidu. And there's about mm-hmm. uh, You know, quite a few places Like 14 or so places In the mm-hmm. Quran Where Allah Ta'ala tells you That, you know um, Like for example Iqra' mm-hmm. Bismi At the end of that surah Allah says Wasjood mm-hmm. wa Make sujood Allah says to you Make sujood And by in doing so You will be Coming closer to him. Uh So when you hear Allah saying to you, make sujood, how do you respond? You make Make sujood, sujood, sujood. you go down and you fall into prostration. Uh And this is a good thing that you're pointing out. This is yet another way of responding to the ayat of the the glorious Qur'an.
0: And with that, we'll take a short break with more of your SMSs back in a moment. Assalamu alaikum. A very good evening to you. Welcome back. A very shortened version of Q&A. Uh, questions and answers. We thought we'll be with you in the next hour, but, uh, as well. So a bit of a shortened show. But inshallah, we'll continue with your questions in our next show. Please, please, please do be patient. And if we've missed, if you've missed any of your, sh- the shows, your questions, download on iOwner. Um, Sheikh, next question uh, reads as follows. Assalamu alaikum. I've been married for two years, but I'm attracted to someone Else, Shaykh, what do I do exactly?
1: Yeah, bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. This is uh, kind of a, a, a difficult one to answer straight away like that, in a short way. But uh, of course, uh, one should be very careful that when you are married, uh, it is obviously the, the work of Shaytan to try and separate people, mm. to try and cause enmity between people, especially husband and wife. So you should be very careful that these thoughts, where are they coming from? How come you are attracted to someone else if you married your husband? Uh, so certainly you married your husband because there was some commonalities, etc. And there was attraction. Okay, So how come it is gone now all of a sudden and there's someone else? Mm. So Many times it's shaitan that is trying to probe these things. Okay, And we must try to hoard off shaitan as best as we can. And uh, by doing so, we will obviously be saving our marriages. We will be pleasing Allah. And we will obviously be degrading shaitan, mm. which is what we should be doing. Um If, however, there is issues within the marriage, now sometimes this can happen, there are maybe problems within the marriage, and that then pushes you to sort of become cold towards your husband, let's say, or the husband towards you, and that in turn then leads for you to develop feelings for other people. This is quite possible, right? Especially if there are real issues that are uh, challenges that you are facing within your marriage. And here, obviously, you need to sit down uh, and and find out, are there issues, are there things that you're unhappy about? Are there things that perhaps you uh, could do differently with regards to your husband and your family? And also bearing in mind, I mean, this is advice that we give to, to young couples, that the first few years of marriage is always the most challenging. There 's always going to be a lot of things to adapt to, a lot of things to get used to, a lot of things that is maybe not the way that you expected mm-hmm. right so those uh, it 's important that we don 't become impatient, but we have patience and try to work through those problems, especially for the first three years or so. you know um, that is how all marriages I think go through that stage and that phase whereby the first three years is so because when you get engaged, for example, or you know the person before marriage it 's not the same as knowing the person in the marriage. Mm. Because lots of stuff is hidden, you know, before you get married. Once you get married, you get the shock for a lot of things that you didn't expect. But you learn to, to live with it. You learn to adapt. You learn to compromise. Mm. So that is what one, one I want to say to this woman. You are only married for two years. So, inshallah, be patient. And uh, those feelings, obviously, you need to know where they are coming from. Mm. Why they are there. Are they there because there's problems? Are they there because your husband don't treat you well? Mm. Then you must sort out those problems. But don't let shaitan just come in and take your mind away and say mm. you're in love with someone else and so on Because that is, it's, it's it's not true, you know, sometimes it's not true It's just running away from the actual problem mm. that you may be facing um, So that is what I can say in this regard And uh, inshallah, I'm sure if you, you know, contemplate a little bit on the advice that I've given Hopefully you will be able to realize that, you know, it's too soon for you just to say you're someone yeah. else you still need to sort of, you know, look at your marriage and see how you can make it work, etc. And once you pass that particular barrier, then you'll see everything go smoothly after that again. Inshallah. You know, although there will still be issues, hiccups and so on, but you always have a way of dealing with it appropriately. And we make dua for you that Allah Ta'ala keeps you strong. And Allah Ta'ala keeps you focused on your marriage. Mm. And Allah Ta'ala does not allow the shaitan to come in between yourself and your husband breaking up this family. And, inshallah, hopefully things will, will work out for the better, inshallah.
0: And I think it also just generally strengthens the bond to find out, you know, if there was anything. what you know, And, and trying to be honest with each other as well to, to iron out all of those. Yeah, absolutely. Well.
1: Like I said, in that first phase, there's always going to be a lot of issues. Yeah. Uh, there's no marriage that don't have those issues, mm. you know. Um, and there's even verses in the Quran that speaks about this, you know. That Allah says, uh, you know, perhaps you will dislike something. But Allah has actually put good in there. You must just mm. be patient. You know, because not everything that you see at first glance is what it is, man. Mm. You may think it's like that. And yes, at that moment you feel that it's not working because of X, Y, and Z. Mm. But Allah Ta'ala says, shay'an wa yaj'al khayran kathira." And this is within the context of marriage that Allah says this. That perhaps you will dislike something, but Allah has placed a lot of good in there. Yeah. You just need to be patient, you know, just need to see the bigger picture. And hopefully you'll see at the end of the day That things can work out If only you put in the effort And you work towards a successful marriage And that is all you can do and, and work hard And make dua You know Hopefully things will work out For you inshallah
0: All the best to that individual And that couple inshallah Unfortunately Sheikh That's where we have to leave it For this evening A big big shukran once again For Sheikh Taking out the time Answering all these questions There's still more to come But inshallah In the next show We'll deal with them Jazakallah khair All the best And salam travel home Inshallah
1: Jazakallah khair to you also And to all our listeners Until we meet again wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala Wa barakatuh.